Today on Locked On Canadians, we talk about why the skill on the ice does not translate to a cohesive game plan. That's coming up in just one moment. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode 497, and thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day. My name is Laura Saba, also known as the Active Stick, and I'm joined as always by Scott Matla of Habs Eyes and the Prize. Scott, how are you doing the day before Thanksgiving? So I worked a nine and a half hour day in a grocery store, stocking beer, answering ridiculous questions, getting yelled at about things that are out of my control, passed up going to a local brewery who was releasing a multitude of limited edition barrel-aged stouts that I would love to have for the winter here in Buffalo when they're nice and cold. Instead, I went home, and by the time I got home from work, a 20-minute drive, the Canadians were already down 3 nothing in this game. <laughs> I have made a lot of mistakes in my life, including what I'm drinking for our 500th episode, but I think this might be up there in terms of recent mistakes that I've made that is among the worst. (laughs) All right, so here's the deal with our 500th episode. It is coming on Tuesday, and for that occasion, Scott will be recording himself drinking a most disgusting concoction, and we will be recording my reaction to it as well. I cannot wait to share that with people. It'll be a video, of course. Uh, And we also have a giveaway. So here's how the giveaway is going to work. Our 500th episode is on November 30th. So what we're going to do following that 500th episode is the first five episodes of December. So it'll be, you know, episode 501 to 505. Each episode will have a different keyword randomly inserted in the conversation at a random point in the episode. And then we will ask you to email us the phrase at the end of the five days. And then we're going to pick a winner and the winner is going to get t-shirts. Also, If you retweet a special tweet, then you will get stickers. The stickers are made by our friends at Locked on Sharks. It's JD Young Designs on Etsy. There'll be a retweet opportunity. So on Twitter, you'll still be eligible for the shirt giveaway. And the shirt will be a shirt of your choosing, uh, 514 shirts. So that's going to be like, we would like it if you choose the one that we came up with, which is the be small score score goals one, but we won't judge what your choice is. And so those are going to be coming up next week. And so you're going to make sure that you listen to the first five episodes of December and uh, you make sure that you send us the keyword phrase, whatever it is, can't give you any hits. And then for the Twitter giveaway, there there will be stickers and it will just simply involve retweeting us. So keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, we have a game that we need to talk about about. And here's the thing. So I wanted to talk about this before we started recording. And here's the situation is that very often on the ice, when you see the Montreal Canadiens in the offensive zone, you'll see pockets or elements of skill. So there'll be a great pass. There'll be a great shift. There'll be a great sequence. Sometimes there'll be a great shot that doesn't result in a goal, but it is not translating to any kind of sustained offense or a cohesive game plan. Part of it 
is the structure of the team and the system that does not exist anymore. And coaching is something that we have criticized on this show. We're not going to spend too much time on this particular episode because we already know that there is an issue with, with coaching. I saw a tweet the other day that said there should be an NHL award for best for best coaches no longer coaching their teams and Claude Julien would be tops for this season. I think that that is, you know, he's always had a strong system, but it wasn't generating offense. Now the Canadians are basically in disarray, but let's go back to what I just said. So Scott, would you agree that the Canadians display elements of skill and then they are not able to keep it up in a sustainable fashion. And I know you had an interesting point that Andrew Berkshire made about this whole thing. So, and I was going to say is that Andrew Berkshire pointed this out on Twitter with Alexander Romanov is that he makes a really smart play, gets into the zone and then just fires far side. The puck rims around and goes out of the zone. There are moments where the Canadians make a smart read and there's no follow-up to that. And then they're caught on their back foot. They are always playing reactive hockey versus proactive hockey. They are not prepared for the next step or two steps ahead. They are only able to do what's happening in that moment, and they get caught out so often because of it. Good teams can anticipate and adjust on the fly. Part of the reason why the Canadians' fourth line was so good in the playoffs last year was they knew what they were doing and could cycle teams into the ground. They did it against the Jets, and when you can anticipate play, it allows you to think ahead and plan your next step and next attacks and do so much more. And right now they're not doing that because the Canadians, I'm pretty sure, feel like they're quite lucky to just be in the offensive zone in some of these games. And it's a problem. You can't just play reactive hockey over and over and over again because guess what? Then you have no offense. You're lucky if your shot goes in, basically. There's no follow-up to, okay, I shot it, the goalie rebounded it to this guy, and now, now what? And they've got to think in the moment and their brain's short circuit and they don't think it through. They don't look for a better passing option or a shooting lane. They just kind of huck it at the net in that general area and hope something good happens. And it's it's not a winning strategy. And so that's, that's kind of a part of the other thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit is that at this point, we have talked about it. We don't want to be gratuitous about it, but we've talked about it. And the hot seats are getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And at this point... Even though Mark Bergevin has come out and spoken to the media, I mean, he is dealing with COVID, the Canadians are consistently putting out a result that shows that they are in complete disarray, whether it's physical, emotional, mental. And when I say physical, I mean, they're missing too many people, right? Like the tangible part of it. Uh, It's emotional, they're fragile, psychological, whatever it is, or it's just simply a lack of strategy, uh, particularly from the coaching staff. I mean, if you look at this roster, this team shouldn't be this bad. I'm not saying that they would be good, but they should not be this bad. And a lot of players are underperforming, and we're not going to dwell too much on that, but Scott does have an article coming out about that uh, fairly soon on Habs Eyes on the Prize. Jeff Molson has not said anything or done anything. And the argument that I made is at this point, he probably thinks, let me cut my losses since Mark Bergevin's contract is up at the end of this season anyway. Uh, and let's see how far we can tank and get a good draft pick. But it occurred to me that I wonder if he literally just doesn't know what to do next. And that's why we haven't heard from him and he hasn't taken any action and he, he just, he literally doesn't have the solution in his mind just yet, because you can't doubt that he loves this team. 
And, you know, he pretty much like his job is to make this team better. And right now it's floundering. We haven't heard from him. There are calls for firings, obviously. Some people are being gratuitously uh, savage about, about Jeff Molson at the moment. But for us, it's, it's literally a question. What's going on there? Why haven't we heard from him? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to make this very quick and very clear is that Jeff Molson, I think, does have good intentions for this team. And maybe he doesn't know what his move is here. And part of that is, guess what? Mark Bergevin doesn't answer to anybody within the Canadians organization except for Jeff Molson. And Molson, probably being the business person that he is, doesn't want to leave himself exposed by firing Bergevin and not having a GM or a president of hockey operations. And here's what we need to do here. And I've said this so many times on this show. Hire a president of hockey operations. If Mark Bergman doesn't want to give up that title and doesn't want to relinquish it to somebody else, then you fire Mark Bergevin and fire someone who wants to just be the GM and hire a president of hockey operations. You need to split these jobs because Mark Bergevin doesn't answer to anybody right now. He answers to himself where he goes, yes, Mark, that was a good move, wasn't it? Yeah, Mark, I agree. Great move. Continue to do more and pat yourself on the back. It doesn't work that way. You need someone to hold someone else accountable when you don't hold the guy in charge accountable to anything you end up in a mess like this where the team has no direction listing back and forth relentlessly being mediocre right now with a coach who has a losing record and you're not doing anything they need to get the hierarchy in order here either tell mark bergman you either let me hire a president of hockey operations or you're gone i'm jeff molson i own this team you do not get to tell me what I do or do not get to do. If you don't want to fall in line with that, I will find someone who will. It's very simple. And I know Mark Bergman is very proud of what he does. But at the same time, focus your energy onto one or the other. You cannot do both. And that is very abundantly clear at this point for the Canadians. I would agree with that. And we're going to explore this, obviously, as time goes on. Every time we talk some negatives, we also want to bring in some positives. And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. If you've listened to any of our shows over the course of the last couple of years, you will know how much we love Built Bar. It is truly one of our favorite sponsors. And it's because they are so delicious. And they are chock full of protein. They're made with real chocolate. And guess what? They are low. Low in sugar, low in calorie, and extremely high in protein. In fact, I have one for breakfast every single day. I usually will work out in the mornings now and get straight to work. And you know that feeling, you know, you're just like, I'm going to get a coffee and sit down to work. And then all of a sudden hours have gone by and you're starving. You can prevent that with a built bar. I literally, the night before I put a built bar at my workstation at home. And then in the morning, it's ready for me there because it's full of protein. It's delicious. It's like a treat for breakfast and you can use it for its intended purpose, which is to give you energy for a workout. But I'm just saying it'll fit into your life, no matter what your lifestyle is like. And, uh, they've got 18 delicious flavors and really like they have special edition flavors now that you know, every once in a while, it's not just for Thanksgiving. They always have special edition flavors. They're always really, really good. If you want to try any of the things that I'm talking about, you can go to built.com and enter promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your order. That is built.com and promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your order. 
Thanks as always for making us your first listen of the day. And tomorrow on your first listen of the day, Scott will be off because it is American Thanksgiving and he will be enjoying football and turkey. And I will have a special guest joining me for the mailbag episode, Julian McKenzie, a favorite of the listeners of this show, also a favorite of the hosts of this show, uh, is going to take a break from his 5 million jobs and uh work <laughs> and, and 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 fill in for scott i'm gonna actually he hosts enough podcasts as it is so what i'm gonna put him sort of in the guest hot seat and i'm gonna ask him your mailback questions so please 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 send us your mailback questions at lo underscore canadians on twitter or you can send them at, to lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. I'm also going to ask Julian about a really, really interesting tidbit on the Chris Johnston show, which he is the host of. And uh, it's a really, really interesting discussion. But if you haven't listened to the Chris Johnston show, check it out. I, I listen to every episode. It's fantastic. In the meantime, back to our show. We're going to ask, we're going to answer one mailback question early today. And the question is, the reason that we're going to answer it now is because I wanted to talk about something nice. And also because Scott will be away and I really worry that we won't have time for prospect talk tomorrow. So the question from that sad Habs then is, I'm going to see a Laval game on December 5th. What should I expect and what players should I pay extra attention to? So the first part of that is it's tough because of how much the roster fluctuates. Like Cole Caulfield could be there. Ryan Palin could be there. Who knows? But four players that are there right now, uh, Jesse Yolanin and Raphael Harvey-Pinard are very, very fun. And they're the up and coming prospects in the system. But I highly recommend do not sleep on Laurent Dauphin or JS Day, who are... Uh, the veterans leading this team right now, they are very good. They, they're they a lot of fun, too, in that even when they're out of games, they're never truly out of games. It was 5-1 was literally a week and a half ago, and they play hard. They play really hard for their coach. They make a lot of high-effort plays. They are always relentless on the puck, so that leads to them taking more chances out on the ice, which is always a good thing. And sometimes defensively, the structure lacks a little bit, but... They are a very, very fun team to watch. Even when they're off, you can tell the efforts there. And that's all you really, really want in this. I'm. It's tough to say who exactly besides the names I listed just because of how people can slide in and out of this lineup due to call-ups and everything else. Uh, I assume Caden Primo and Michael McNiven will be there. Uh, and if he's back from injury, uh, Donick Martell is a guy I've had a lot of fun watching. He's a real high-skill, very fast player. He reminds me a lot of Paul Byron in that he gets goals at very clutch times. And he's uh, he's been a lot of fun. It's a shame he's injured right now. I think he blocked a shot uh, off his wrist. So he is uh, hurting a little bit right now. I haven't had a chance to go to Plas Bell, so I can't tell you about the arena itself, unfortunately. So you may have to uh, I ask. I can, I can, I can. <laughs> All right. Well, I will let you take the reins on that then. Do you think, how funny is it that I can actually tell you about the in-arena experience, but I don't remember a single thing <laughs> about what what goes on on the ice. But part of it is too, is that like the last time that I went there was pre-COVID and it's a really good time. Honestly, Place Bell is a really good time. I would say, I would say take the Metro there for sure, because parking is really, really annoying. Also, why would you want to drive in the snow or 
ice rain or what a freezing rain or whatever. So definitely take the metro if you can. If not, there's a shuttle that goes from Centropolis to the Bell Center, uh, to the Place Bell. Uh, so you can park at Centropolis and, and go over there. The arena is larger, I think, than most, I would say most minor league arenas. But it's definitely, it's it's always a really, really good time because the attendance is pretty good. It's not like always sold out or anything like that, but the attendance is pretty good. They do a lot to make the atmosphere great. The food is actually really good. Like the concessions, the food is pretty good. I believe the last time I went there, I also had wine and I had them put it in a sippy cup for me. It's The music is good. It's definitely uh, family oriented. So you're going to see a lot of families there, uh, especially since it's a lot cheaper to go to uh, an AHL game than an NHL game. It might be a little bit harder this year because the AHL game is the good team to go watch. But I honestly loved it. Like the atmosphere is really, really, really fun. Everybody's there to have a good time. Um, and if you if you if you luck out with a good game, like you're really, it's really, really, really worth the trek to Laval or you know, however hard it is to find parking or whatever. I've I've gone to a few games and I've enjoyed every single one of them. And so I highly recommend it, even if the Rocket weren't good, which they are. Um, I think that's the thing about it is the team is, it always varies. Every year there's someone who steps up. Yannick Veyu in back-to-back seasons scored like 20 goals uh, across two seasons when he hadn't had more than that in like the previous five. And then this year, Louis Belpedio seems to be a guy that JF Hool really likes. He, uh, he loves playing physically. He gets involved offensively. It's it's a fun time, and I cannot wait to actually get up there. They're hosting the All-Star game this year, too, so there's going to be a ton of All-Star stuff there. It, it's a good time. The Rocket know how to put together an AHL presentation, for sure. Yeah, I agree, and it's it's definitely, definitely worth it. It's it's basically, it's like a mini NHL game. I've been to a lot of AHL games. Well, not a whole lot, but I've been to quite a few AHL games. And I think that the Laval experience is the sleekest. It's like the, you know, um, it's it's definitely, it's a step above in my experience from other AHL games that I've attended. So that's what I'll, that's, that's what I'll leave you with. And the other thing that I wanted to mention real quick is we... Should have mentioned this off the top, but Cole Caulfield has scored his first goal of the NHL season. Scott, do you think it's okay if we enjoy it? No, how dare you? This is a this is a no fun podcast. I want you to take all the fun thoughts you had, put them in a box, uh, set the box down the skunkiest canal you can find, and then hit it with a rocket launcher. Because how dare you have <laughs> any fun watching hockey? Yet you're a terrible person. Just for enjoying little things in bad games. No fun. Be miserable and sad and tweet from behind an account about Habs all day with like seven Ys and then get defensive and lock your account the minute something goes wrong for you. (laughs) All right. That's enough of me being passive aggressive on the show. We're excited that Cole Caulfield has finally scored a goal off his own rebound uh, as a lot of people sarcastically started talking about. But no, it was, you know what? It was a good goal. It broke the ice. He had a couple of good shots before that that didn't go in. And, you know, hopefully this is the start. You know, this broke the ice. The monkey's off his back, as they say, and he's going to score lots and lots of goals. But in the meantime, we wanted to talk about one of our favorite topics, which is, which is hockey jersey critiquing. And then we're going to talk about Thanksgiving sides in honor of U.S. Thanksgiving. You'd be surprised 
how many American listeners we have. So this one's going to be for Scott and for them. And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, it's Thanksgiving in America. And we all know what that means. Football. And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. Bet Online has you covered all holiday season with more props, more odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code locked on to receive your bonus. That's right, a 50% welcome bonus with our promo code locked on. And it's not just football. Bet Online has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, we're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. All right. So a number of fashion crimes have occurred in recent days with some jersey releases. Shall we start with the Canadian Olympic jersey? Shall we talk about the U.S. Olympic jersey? Or shall we talk about the New Jersey jersey jersey? Uh, Okay, let's just get this out of the way here. (laughs) The Team USA jersey sucks. There is one good redeeming quality. The white one would look great if it was a soccer kit. It is a hockey jersey that looks like some Tommy Hilfiger ass polo playing white bread my dad is a lawyer shirt. And it's terrible. I do not understand how hard it is to just do the 1980s jersey or the 1960 crest like they've done at World Juniors. It's terrible. And like and this isn't to excuse the other ones. But out of all the things that have been released this week, the U.S. one might be the worst so far. Oh, come on. The New Jersey Jersey one is pretty bad. Okay, so with that, I will say this, is that the original shots of it were terrible. It looks slightly better on actual players. It's still garbage. And um, Anthrax Jones on Twitter said if they wore pants that said pants on them, it would be the greatest hockey jersey the league has ever known. And that is all that I want right now. I want their pants to say pants. I want their gloves to say gloves. And I want their helmet to say helmet. <laughs> I want them to go all the way with this, even if it's just for warmups, because that'd be hilarious to me. I feel like that's a good opportunity for some marketing or some charity or something like that. You wear the jersey that says jersey. You wear the pants that say pants, the socks that say socks. And uh, I know you can't just switch out skates every every game or whatever so you like get a little decal and stick it on that says skates i i like i actually like the minimalist aspect of it i just don't like the stripes the stripes make it look not good and then like if it, if it just said jersey kind of like that or if it's a jersey on it and something else like it looked different like i know it's supposed to pay homage to something i did not, i really did not like it uh as for the team canada jersey the team canada jersey is a puzzle because I really, really, really like the white one with the red maple leaf on it. And then I really, really, really don't like the others. So here's my question. What is their whole thing with putting black in a jersey? What part of the Canadian flag is black? Like, (laughs) 
Why? What? Remember when the NHL did those black ice jerseys for like five years and they were terrible? Everyone hated them. Yeah. Why does Canada keep doing this? There is no black in the flag. Like you were not some futuristic. You were you were in Canada. You you play hockey. The white and red is gorgeous and simplistic. Stop stop trying things. And I can't believe I'm saying that. Just be. It's a hockey jersey. Make it as simple as possible. Like I don't understand how you screw up the Canadian hockey jersey that's been so good for so many years. Was it in Vancouver? Was the one where it had like the the First Nations print inside the leaf on the jersey, or was that yeah. another? I believe it was the Vancouver one. That was gorgeous. Do something like that, but like for wherever you're playing at, don't do this. You know, we are sleek RoboCop. Look at our black and red jersey. Beep boop. Hockey puck going net. No one cares. Just simplify it. I'm begging you. It is a hockey jersey. You are not playing Call of Duty or something. Just simplify it. I'm begging you, Canada and America. Sweden, you're fine. Your jerseys have always been gorgeous and never change a thing. I love you. They do that with soccer too. In the, in in last week's game, they played against Mexico at the uh, at the Azteca. <laughs> um, they uh, it, it was black. The kid is black. I don't know why they do it. I I do think that there's some sort of philosophy behind it. I feel like if the philosophy behind it is just it looks cool. I'm really not going to be happy because the thing is like I really like that white jersey and some people pointed out that the red and the black they kind of they look orangey which is also fine like I, I like I agree with that criticism sorry because like I feel like what I associate with a team Canada jersey is a deep red that is what I like so you know I'm sort of I'm torn like if they wear the white jerseys it's going to look good if they wear the black or the red jerseys it's going to be really hard to see the numbers and also like Scott said why the black also, it reminds me too much of a senator's jersey, and I don't like things that make senators fans happy. Oh, I agree with everything you say there. Honestly, I didn't think about the Sens aspect of it, and now I'm mad. Uh, they should just <laughs> do that diagonal print like the Sens had the one time, only it just says Canada on there. Just sash across. Let's just let's just make it as dumb as possible. You know what, USA? Get rid of your jerseys. Get Abraham Lincoln dual-wielding shotguns riding a Velociraptor as your logo. And you know what? It would probably be an improvement. Just wear an American flag and nothing else. It, it's an improvement if we're going to be making ridiculous things for this, honestly. And with that, we're going to turn our attention real quick to some food talk because this is Locked On Canadians. And you know we love to talk about food sometimes. It is American Thanksgiving at the time that you're listening to this episode. Scott is off. He is enjoying Thanksgiving food and uh, hopefully good football. I don't know. I haven't followed football in like two two or three years. The Lions are playing the Bears. It's like if the (laughs) Habs played anybody at this point. Like, it's just sad. The Bills are on that night, though, and so we'll be watching that when we get back to Buffalo after we leave Carly's parents, so... I am looking forward to stress watching that game at least. All right. So you had the idea of ranking Thanksgiving sides on tonight's show. So let's see. What are your favorite Thanksgiving sides? All right. So why are there so many results? I just wanted basic Thanksgiving side dishes. Okay. Quickly here. So there's stuffing, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, cranberry sauce, bread and rolls, green bean casserole, mac and cheese. Who the hell is corn at Thanksgiving? heathens but okay my favorite is baked mac and cheese i love baked mac and cheese like i love regular mac and cheese because i'm a terrible adult but i love a good baked mac and cheese 
And then I love some mashed potatoes and green bean casserole. Mashed potatoes because I can smother it in gravy and green bean casserole because I've actually learned that I enjoy all of those things together for some reason. And I got to be honest, it's 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 grown on me greatly in the past couple years. Stuffing's hit or miss. If the, if the in the bird stuffing is made great, I love it. If it's not, it is not my favorite thing. And you would sooner catch me cheering for the Leafs than eating cranberry sauce at any sort of instance whatsoever. <laughs> I actually don't mind cranberry sauce. I do like a good gravy. I like mashed potatoes and gravy. That's my favorite side. Um, the cranberry sauce for me, everybody makes it and I'll put a little bit on the side. I do like, I generally like all kinds of potatoes, but one year my aunt decided, why don't I make a three kind of potato mash, um, mashed potatoes. So what she does is she'll use yellow potatoes. So like the Yukon gold ones, I think, uh, and then the red potatoes and then sweet potatoes. And then she also mashes in a little bit of cauliflower and spices. And that is a fantastic Thanksgiving side, but just, you know, traditional straight creamy mashed potatoes, lots of butter in them and gravy is my favorite. I will not eat casserole. That's a white people food. I don't. Yeah. And <laughs> so what? Sometimes you just want to put everything into a giant dish because you don't know what to do with it all. And you bake it at 350 for an hour. And you know what? Sometimes it's fine. Oh, we got potatoes, some leftover cheese, about nine sticks of butter, some two day old turkey, uh, bacon and a grenade. Yeah, we can make something out of that. <laughs> so what's the problem? I, I understand it, but also let me live my life because I can <laughs> smother it in God knows what. And I do not care because when I wake up at one o'clock in the morning, very hungry, casserole is there for me. Okay. I'm going to take your word for it. I don't, that's not what I, you know, that's, that, that's not something I enjoy casseroles. I don't understand the concept behind it. I do like Brussels sprouts though. Like you cook them up with garlic and bacon, things like that. I do like, but for whatever reason, a casserole, I cannot do. Uh, in any case, that is our Thanksgiving sides discussion. Oh, uh, also pumpkin pie is terrible. And if you like that, I think less of you as a person. I want to say it is Mark Dumont that said pumpkin pie is just a vehicle for whipped cream. And I was just like, why don't you just take the whipped cream and then spray it directly into your mouth from the Because can. I'm putting it on the pudding pie or some on the pecan pie because those taste good. Ooh, pecan pies are really good. We went off the rails way, way, way off the rails. So here's what we're going to do is we are going to remind you to send in your mailbag questions because Julian McKenzie will be joining me tomorrow sitting in for Scott. And uh, you can email us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. You can ask your questions on Twitter as well at LO underscore Canadians. Make sure that you tune in all next week and beyond for our giveaway, the first five episodes of December. Uh, and uh, you can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Matla. You'll find me at The Active Stick. And if you liked this show, check out Lockdown Beds, where your boy Q and Lee Sterling are absolutely killing it. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow.